settles on them, God, doesn't matter what they're seeing, what they're putting their hands to, there's an undergirding of your peace right through this season, right into the next year. I thank you, your blessings, Lord, unfold before them. They will not toil or strain. Your blessings are pursuing them and are coming upon them, Lord. Things that only heaven can provide are unfolding before them, God. Your goodness and your kindness coming back to them. In Jesus' mighty name, fill them now, Lord. Refresh them, God, by your spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, I just thank you, Lord, for the sacrifice. I thank you, Lord, for everything that Leon has given and done for us personally, Hartley and Natalie Taylor, and for Silverwater. I thank you for his steadfastness. I thank you, Lord, that he's always found in the house of God. I thank you for all he's given to back us and work for us. And I thank you, Lord, in the same way that he served us. Others will come and they will serve him with the same steadfastness. They will serve him with the same commitment, the same good spirit, Lord. They'll pour out their lives before him, Lord, to make a smooth way, Lord, before him, God. A smooth way, Lord, the unfolding of a ministry before him, the unfolding of the building of the house of God will come. They'll pour themselves out, blood, sweat and tears in the same way that he has, with a smile on their face. In Jesus' mighty name, I thank you, Lord, your favour is upon him, God. In Jesus' mighty name, thank you, Lord, for Tammy Calvert. Thank you for Carly Lewis. Thank you for Chrissy Kunto. Thank you, Lord, you robe her in robes of righteousness. She's a minister of the gospel. She's to be respected. I thank you, Lord, she sees who you see her to be, Lord. A mighty woman of God, one that shifts atmospheres, an architect of the atmosphere. As she speaks it, so it is. As she speaks and declare it, so it will be. I thank you, Lord, she rises up to a whole new measure, Lord. You're lifting her up to a whole other place. You're taking her out of humble appointments, Lord, and you're lifting her to places of honor i thank you lord by the hand only god's hand lord you shift and you move you calculate and you plan in advance for her lord you appoint her lord peace of god in her thinking heart overflowing with faith and confidence she will laugh at the days to come laughter will return a new measure of laughter a new measure of laughter in jesus mighty name she will laugh at the days to come in jesus mighty name thank you lord for the mighty woman laura fazia Thank you, Lord, for Hini and Enoch. Thank you, Lord, for great builders of the house of God. Oh, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that they go from strength to strength, Lord. Thank you there is no lack and there is no loss in serving in the house of God. I thank you for a clear conviction, Lord. They're builders of the house of God. Not to look to the left or the right. Set their eyes on the prize. Set their eyes on the house of God. Give your heart to it. Give your hands to it. Give your hours to it. And God will look after all else. He'll look after your household in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for Tim Christen, that the mighty, faithful, upright man of God. Come out here, Kate. How are we doing, church? One more? We good? Mighty woman of God, Kate. Timmy, why don't you just come and stand behind Kate for me? Kate, you are going to pray a move of God. There is a legit move of God that's going to come out of your spirit and be outworked in this atmosphere, not just here, Western Sydney. It's a Western Sydney burden. It's big, Kate. It's beyond you. It's, it's actually coming out of the very heart of God for this part of Sydney. You're going to pray. You're going to go into a place of power and intercession like you've not yet experienced. You're going to find yourself pulled away 
there is a, you have a tunnel vision, Kate. You've got two parts to your personality. There's the butterfly, Kate, the whimsical, fun, playful. And then there's this tunnel vision, Kate. Actually, you can be quite focused on the things that you want, that you want to pursue. And I see you getting in that tunnel vision and literally praying a move of God into Western Sydney. As you move into that place, it'll be like a ripple effect that comes out of the prayer closet, Kate. Every move of God that has ever happened before, the impetus behind it has been the intercessory prayer. It happens first in the prayer closet and then it's outworked in the natural. Ready yourself, Kate. Move to prayer and fasting. Discipline yourself. Discipline yourself. In six months' time, you won't even recognize yourself. As you give yourself to this task, it's literally going to change who you are. It's going to disarm things off your life. It's going to release things personally into your life. And it's literally going to be like a force behind a move of God coming out of this place. It's like, you know, there is resistances and things that the enemy would like to strategically put around this move, this river that's coming out of this place. But I tell you, as you pray, I see I see this river disarming those strategies, literally knocking over those plans and ploys of the enemy. You're going to be know very clearly what God would have you do. You're going to have absolute clarity, prophetic insight and clarity about what he would have you pray. The words will be very clear, crystal clear. And as you declare them, Kate, as you declare them, you will see great moves of God coming up out of this place, moving through Western Sydney. Do not get distracted. Do not get distracted. Do not get distracted. This is heaven's burden for you. It's heaven's assignment for you. So give your days and your hours and ready yourself in Jesus' mighty name. that you will not be alone in your personal world or in this prayer world. You will not be alone. There'll be a little army come around you. You won't have to fight on your own. Amen. Come on, let's thank God here tonight. Thank you, team. Why don't you take a seat? Can we honour the team tonight? So I'm preaching here tonight under this magnificent theme that we're in right now, crown the year, crown the year, past drip with abundance. And I want to read this scripture to you from Psalm 65, verse 11 to 13. And it says, you crown the year with your bounty and goodness and the tracks of your chariot wheels drip with fatness, the luxuriant pastures in the uncultivated country drip with moisture and the hills gird themselves with joy. The meadows are clothed with flocks. The valleys also are covered with grain. They shout for joy and sing together. What a beautiful piece of scripture for this point in the year. It's so encouraging. It's so sustaining, the word of God. And, you know, the crown in this scripture is actually describing the harvest. The crown is the harvest. It's the bounty. It's the goodness coming back. That's what David is describing in this psalm. He's actually thanking God 
for the harvest. You know, it's God that makes the earth fruitful. It is God that, for whatever reason, has decided to make Stillwater and all our extension services fruitful, right? You know, I, I just remember walking the block around um, my place uh, at around August and just getting a really clear word in my spirit that August to December this year were five months of fruitfulness and specifically in salvations. And I... I am so overjoyed at the, the harvest, at the outpouring that we have seen in that area and this part of the year. And it's not even finished yet, right, Carly? We've, we've got our care centre lunch happening. And, you know, Carly's like on tour with all our C3 care services. Wherever she goes is a harvest of souls. What a great thing to have on your life. Heaven loves you, Carly. When you get to heaven, I think you're going to have your own special spectacular. I think she'll arrive and Jesus will, you know, come down personally and he'll be like, thank you for being my co-partner. Carly Lewis is phenomenal. Let's just thank Carly for her sacrifice. So it's so awesome, like Pastor Hartley said, 30 salvations or responses at our Auburn event just last night. And from August to December this year, there's a total of 287 plus the 30 salvations just in that little window. It's like, thank you, Jesus. It's so awesome. All these souls, all these lives being touched and seeing Jesus. It's so powerful. It's awesome. Uh, Luke 8.15 says, And the seed that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. And this is the scripture that I got at the time when God was speaking to me about that five months of fruitfulness. And isn't this the nature of silver water? Good-hearted, honest, patiently waiting to see the harvest. Well, it is harvest time, my friends. And we are, you know, it's good to celebrate it. It's good to revel in it because it, it takes years to till the soil, doesn't it, for the harvest to actually come. And so it's good to take a moment and celebrate here together. Uh, you know, Charles Spurgeon says that God's love encircles the year as a crown. Each month has its gems, each day's its pearls. And isn't that the nature of God? He visits us. He visits us in, in little tiny ways that no one else would otherwise know that mean something to us. He, he leans in close and he sees us and it matters to him. Our happiness matters to him. And our pleasure matters to him. First and foremost, I'm sure he just wants us to be happy and to know that we're loved. And I think that's the power of, of that song that went out tonight, remembering that first we are loved. Because I don't know about you friends, but in you know, toiling and, uh, and working in the house of God and out in the marketplace and with our family, sometimes we can forget that powerful truth that first we are loved by him. And it changes everything when we remember, right? It changes everything when we remember. It's good for the soul, right? It's awesome. So I love the beginning of the scripture. It says, you crown. And I want to remind us here tonight that we are crowned, that we are royalty, that we have an authority in Christ. Because we are in Christ, we are crowned. And, and I want to remind us here tonight, you know, who's, who we belong to, that royal tribe that we belong to, and the authority that we have because we are in Christ, and, and we are his beloved and he is ours. You know, Matthew 18, 18 says, I tell you the truth, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, Kate, 
and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Amen. This is the authority that we have been given, a great power to forbid and to permit. You know, someone needs to be reminded tonight that we have an authority to forbid and to, to permit, to safeguard what is sacred in our lives, our families and our marriages and our finances and our workplaces. We have an authority to forbid and to permit what comes through the gates, what we ask, what we allow in. You know, God gives us an authority to rule and reign over what is near and dear to us and to exercise the authority that we have. Amen. We are the keeper of the garden of our heart, right? You know, what we choose to sow there, what we forbid and what we permit, what we allow into the soil of our heart, you know, we're the gatekeeper. He authorizes us. And, you know, I just remember when Sienna was a, a little girl, she was probably about, uh, I don't know, she was in school, and she came to me one day and um, she was complaining that she couldn't hear properly. And uh, on closer inspection, I found that... Um, uh, you know, I, I leaned up to the, you know, sometimes as mums, you know, you do school drop-offs and you take them to ballet and stuff like that and um, and you also do medical inspections. It's not really clearly written in the job description but sometimes it's necessary. And on this particular day, I did a little inspection of the year. I'm like, why can't you hear? And on closer inspection, I found that she had a seed, like a multigrain seed from her sandwich lodged in her ear and somehow it had made its home there and so she couldn't hear properly out of that ear, this little tiny seed. And it made me think, what in the world did you do with the sandwich in your lunch break in order to get the seed from the bread in your ear? I have no idea. I have no idea. But anyway, I got the tweezers. I know that that's not... I don't advise you to do this at home, ever. I, compl- I, I would suggest that you go and see a medical practitioner, somebody that's actually got skills in this area, but sometimes to save time, mums try things, right? So <laughs> anyway, it's all good. Her hearing's perfect right now. So what happened in that moment, I took the tweezers and, and I, I mustered up some boldness and I nabbed the little seed and got it out and then it was like pop. It was like instantaneous healing. I felt like Benny Hinn. It was amazing. She could hear properly and, and clarity came again. Here's the thing, the seeds really matter that we let into the soil of our heart. What we permit, what we forbid, it really matters because that little seed can sometimes block our hearing. If there's a seed of untruth that's lodged down in our ear, if we forget the authority that we have, if we forget that we're crowned with authority, if we forget forget who we belong to and we let a seed, a little sneaky seed, sneak in and it blocks our hearing, it's very hard for the Word of God, even the Spirit of God to get past that thing. It's like it needs to be disarmed. It needs to be dislodged for the word of God to come with clarity again. So we are the gatekeepers of our heart. And when that little miserly undermining voice comes and tries to tell you that you're something that you're not, remember the, the crown that you wear on your head. Remember who you belong to. Remember the authority that you have. And don't let the little seed lodge in the ear. Don't let it find its home there because it's not a part of you. It doesn't belong there. Rather, you know, keep the garden of your heart. Till the soil of your heart and and forbid and permit what he says you should forbid and permit. Amen? Amen. Come on. Let's do it. Let's do this together. We're on the same team. You help me and I'll help you, all right? (laughs) Here's the thing. Um, Sometimes our crown slips. I don't know. We get tired. I find tiredness is a big deal, actually. I, I find the crown can slip really easily just with tiredness, like really human things can actually cause, I don't know, our perspective to get a little bit blurred 
and our, our, you know we, we, we don't we don't quite see as clearly we forget whose we are and who we are and if we're not careful we can let those little thoughts back in under the door but here's the thing the antidote to negative anxious thoughts isn't just positive thinking it's actually prayer you actually can't respond to something that's supernatural in a, in a negative sense. You can't actually respond to supernatural with natural. It doesn't work. In order to disarm supernatural, you've got to apply supernatural. And those thoughts that come, they're not natural. They're little negative seeds that are trying to get in. They're not from heaven. They're from the other duck guy. There are two powers at work on our life. And we've got to exercise the authority. We've got to remember we've got that crown on our head. We've got to till the soil of our heart and, and permit and allow what he says we should permit and allow. But you can't approach the supernatural with the natural because it doesn't disarm it. Rather, we've got to exercise the authority that we have in Christ. And prayer is a potent antidote to those things. In fact, I was at, um, we had a little thank you dinner with Pastor Phil and Chris and some of the other um, guys over at Oxford Falls the other night. And I saw Pastor Phil and Chris and they just looked like, like amazing, energized people, which they often do. And I, but we know that they've been, you know, it's, it's not easy. They carry a big load, right? A huge load. And sometimes we see that when we sit in meetings with them and this and that. And Pastor Chris told me, we've just come off a fast. I'm like, well, that's what it is. Literally, this supernatural power moves through you. And, and, and she said, we have great clarity now. There's the, they're the words that she gave me. And I, I want to encourage us in, in prayer and in fasting in order to disarm those things that are trying to get to wheedle into our thought life, okay? There's a great power in that. I know it's not popular, especially in the festive season, but I'm, I'm actually trying to help you. I'm actually not trying to entertain you. I'm actually trying to help you. And I know there's a great power in prayer and fasting that disarms those things and brings the clarity back. We remember who we are. We remember the authority that we have. So if you've found that you've been bullied a little bit lately by those thoughts, those undermining thoughts, can I encourage you? Take it to the prayer courthouse and you will win. You will totally, totally win. And, you know... Um, just whilst I'm giving tips about sustaining through the festive crush, um, you know, I've found I've been a little bit tired at this end of this back end of the year, and sometimes it feels like prayer really requires something of you in here. It's like you've really, it's like you've got to get front-footed, and it, it pulls something out of you. It requires something of you, um, and I just thought I don't even know if I've got the um, the I don't know the chutzpah, the audacity, the firing me right now to go to that kind of place of prayer so I thought this is what I'll do instead I'll, I'll bathe in the word of God I'll just sit down um, I'm right now reading I like to read my bible cover to cover every year and it's really fun because I've just kicked into the new testament part so I'm in about mark right now on the home stretch to revelation and between now and Christmas um, you, uh, rather than doing lots of stuff even though there's some stuff that you've got to do because you've got to see family and stuff but apart from all of that I'm just trying to um, get on the finish the word of God, finish reading from cover to cover this year. And what I'm finding is it just starts to fill the well again, you know, because we've, we've done so much pouring out this year, haven't we? Like, let's be honest. Oh, my goodness. And, um, and if, even though I don't feel like I've got, I've got all this strength in me to do huge declarative prayers right now, I can read the word of God because it's, re it's receptive, isn't it? And it doesn't require much of you. Like, you've just got to sit there and let it wash 
and refuel and refuel the cup. It's so effective. So can I encourage you to do that if you're feeling a bit tired? Don't watch a movie because at the end of the movie you still feel tired, don't you? Like it's like entertainment has its place, but in like proper recovery of the soul, it's prayer in the word, isn't it? Like it's probably that and looking at nature works for me as well. Like Jesus meets me out there in nature. It's amazing. Amen. How we doing? We good? All right, verse 11 says, The tracks of your chariot wheels drip with fatness. In the wake behind God is abundance. Like this is who, he is abundance personified. I don't know why sometimes we pray for teeny tiny things because he is magnificent and mighty, isn't he? Why are we approaching like the God of the universe, the God that made this whole world with teeny tiny prayers? What's that about? He is abundance. He is abundance. The tracks of your chariot wheels drip with um, fatness. Spurgeon says it this way. I'm loving a bit of Charles Spurgeon. Why not? The footstep of God, the footsteps of God when he visits the land with rain create fertility. Actually, like fertility, life springs up just where God's footsteps come, where he visits, abundance comes. I know that God is visiting us at Silverwater because I see abundance springing up in this place. Do you see it, Pastor Hearts? It's here, legit, right, Carly? It's here. Like, I know he's visiting us because I see the abundance coming up out of this place. It's amazing. You know, and we will see more and more miracles and restoration and life springing up in this place. Amen? Do you, is this cool, just unpackaging um, Psalm 65? Are you enjoying this, Mr. Regler? Good. So let's read verse 12. It says, The pastures in the uncultivated country drip with moisture. I love this part. The pastures in the uncultivated country drip with moisture. This is the uncultivated country. It's the wilderness. It's the deserts. It's the uninhabited places. It's those places which man takes no care of and takes no profit from. These places also are under his providential care. The moisture still comes. That's what it says. Those places he still visits. I love that. The place that's not being cared for has been overlooked, unseen. His provision still comes to that place in your life. Those places that you feel like are blocked off, they're just over there, nobody needs to know, like nobody sees it. it it's a quiet burden in your heart. Well, his uh, providential care still sees and rains down on those places. He's a holistic God. When it comes to the issues of our heart, he wants to till the soil of our whole heart. Because if this part is corrupt or burdensome or unhealthy, it affects all those other parts, right? He's holistic. He rains down on every part of our heart and life. Whatever matters to you, whatever sacred to you, whatever's a burden to you, he rains down on all those places. Whether we think he sees it or not, he still sees. He's got a bird's eye view, our God, doesn't he? He still sees. The wilderness which brings no return, yet it receives rain as the most fruitful soil. How good is this? God does good to the thankful and the unthankful alike. That's what that scripture tells me. He rains down even when we don't say thank you. Even when we're, we're knotted up in our own issues and cares, he still rains down. That's the nature of his goodness and his kindness. He's such a good God. You know, like the parable of the prodigal and the loyal son. His kindness pursued them both. And it's the same in this story. God's kindness, he pursued the prodigal son. And in the story, he, he pursues and maintains relationship with the loyal son. And it's the same with every, each and every one of us. His kindness, his kindness pursues us all. 
And it says in verse 13, it goes on further, the valleys also are covered with grain. The valleys are covered with grain. It feels like contradiction after contradiction. The valleys are dark places. The sun doesn't shine in the valley. How does it produce grain? This whole scripture, though, is talking about uh, abundance and growth in dark, barren places. That's why I love it. It reminds me God goes even to the dark, barren places, the, the knotted up places. In fact, between verse 12 and 13, there are four places where God gives good things. Listen to this. The wild places where not many people live. He goes there. He gives good things to those places. The hills where it's hard to grow things. He rains down providential care. Uh, the moisture comes on those places also. The places where farmers keep lots of sheep. Have you tried to, probably not, but I grew up on a farm. I grew up on a farm and you don't sow grain where the sheep trample and nibble. It's like a contradiction. But this scripture is telling us that even in those places, even in those barren places, life springs up. It doesn't matter how locked up that part of your life looks. Let me tell you, God can make life spring up out of barren, dead, dormant places. It's what he does. It's what he does. It's who he is. The valleys near the river where the grain grows, all these places, God gives good things. He causes life to come out of all those places. And what I love about this, this psalm, it tells me that there's not just life springing up, you know, literally in, in a harvest sense, uh, but it makes me think of, of the way he pursues us. His heart pursues us. His kindness pursues us, even to difficult, hard-to-reach places. It gives me hope that every soul has a chance of seeing him because the extent that he goes to, to, to share his light and his love, that each and every one would see him and know him. I know there is no heart heart that is too hard, that it can't be touched by the love of God, that the veil can't be lifted and they can see him again. You know, the most lonely, hard-to-reach and solitary souls, God's love will visit. He'll find them. It's his heart. And I've never felt such, such urgency for God's heart, but I know it to be true in the same way that he pursued us and found us in dysfunction and separation from him in the same way. His spirit goes out and calls each and every one back to himself. And clearly he doesn't care about the rules. If you read that, that scripture, it's like, how in the world does like grain spring up out of places where sheep tr like trample? He defies all the rules. There are no hurdles to jump to make way into the house of God, to be found by his love. There are none. His love will go and pursue right to the very end in Jesus' name. Billions of people worldwide have been provided for by God's sovereign provision. Amen? Generation after generation and billions of souls worldwide are being pursued by God's relentless love. And right until the end of the age, he will continue in his relentless, fierce pursuit to call out each and every one that they would know him as we know him. So um, I've got something beautiful to show you tonight. Two such stories, uh, two such individuals that God pursued with his love and his kindness and restored and, and set on the course of life. Uh, two members of our place here at Silverwater, I know you're going to be so touched by these stories. So why don't you look to the screen and enjoy these beautiful stories.
My name's Melissa Hoyte. Most people know me as Millie. I was born and raised in New Zealand in a small town called Tupuki. At the age of seven, my parents separated, and at a young age, my home life became really unstable. I was given back and forth between my parents, and at one stage of my life, I was put into foster care. I knew what it was like to be physically abused, you know, in constant fist fights. Uh, I grew up with a violent alcoholic father, and I grew up hating my dad, and, and the other thing was I grew up hating me. So when I left home, I, I, I was a bit lost, and I fell in with the wrong sort of people. For the next seven years, I heavily used heroin. But God had a plan for my life, and that plan was the most precious person that's ever been put in my life. And it turned out to be my wife, Kate. Three times I overdosed using heroin, and that would be heart stopped, breathing stopped. And so she gave me an ultimatum, was to either choose the gear or choose her. And I loved her with all my heart, so I chose Kate. I also face sexual abuse at the age of 13 from a family friend. And I just felt worthless as a human being. By the time I hit my teenage years, 13, 14 years old, I turned to drugs. It didn't matter what kind of drugs it was. I would sniff it, swallow it, smoke it. It was just a way of escape for me. I become just this reckless teenager, full of hurt, full of anger, just wanting to take it out on the world. I just hated life. I hated life so much that I engraved life sucks on my arm, which you can still see it to this day. I didn't see the purpose in living. Life was just, to me, just full of hurt, full of brokenness. And uh, one day she asked me to come to church. And I thought, go to church, maybe that's, that's not such a great place to be, but I'll go just to make her happy. And I can remember sitting there and, and just thinking, every word was spoken just to me. And I asked God into my life, and I remember walking out the doors of the church thinking, I, I feel so different, but my life is so mixed up. I'm, I'm heavily drinking. I've been using marijuana since I was 14, just about every day of my life. Here I am, a 38-year-old man. I, uh, I had a big gambling addiction. I was, I was violent. I was a pretty horrible individual. And I thought, Lord, how does all this work? How do I become this good Christian man? And um, At school, it was compulsory to go to a camp and I actually chose the Christian camp, not because I was looking for God or wanting to be a Christian. And every night they played Christian music, worship music. Uh, a different person every night would just share their life story, basically like what I'm doing here today. And on the last night, there was a young girl who spoke and she had a very similar life story as mine. And um, she shared with me about how God loved me, that he died on a cross for me because he loved me so much and that impacted my life. It impacted me so much that that night I decided to give my life to Christ to make a change in the whole course and direction of my life. 
and he touched my heart and I understood what un unconditional love was. I understood the love of the Father. You know, I live a life where I feel so secure that God loves me for who I am. It doesn't matter what I've done in my past, but God just loves me for who I am. I look back now and I, and I could see, because as a little kid, I used to run to my dad and, and, and I can remember once running to him and I can remember him hitting me, knocking me down, swearing at me and t telling me how much he hated me. And that moment then I felt God touch my heart and say, it's okay, your Father in Heaven loves you. And my heart changed. It wasn't a heart of stone anymore. And I understood how much God loved not just me, but He loved, loves everyone. I just want to say if you felt rejected, felt abandoned, you're living a life where it just feels broken, I want to let you know that God loves you and that God's love is unconditional. It doesn't matter what you've done in your past or what you're doing right now. You know, God loves you and that He wants to be in relationship with you. And he, he reaches out to everyone. And at that time, my heart changed and now I, have, I can love other people. And other people mean things to me and, and I want to share that love. And I want to share with people my Christian walk because I know at the end of that, there is a, an unconditional loving Father in heaven. restores and builds up and sets us on the path of life. Amen. Two powerful stories transform lives, completely restored by Christ's love. It's amazing what it will accomplish. And you know what I want to do here tonight is actually just open this altar and create an opportunity right across this room where we could come and just encounter afresh His great love for us. Sometimes we forget how much we're loved. And in a moment, if we can just stand in His presence and engage with that love, it reminds us who we are. It reminds us of our authority. We get clarity about who we are in this place. I just want you to stand right across this room. And I just know that the, the peace of God comes. It's, it transcends understanding. And I just know the peace of God is on this meeting tonight. And, you know, if, if you feel like you've been bullied in your thought life, those undermining thoughts have come in, well, I want to encourage you to step out and stand on this altar tonight and get a fresh encounter with His love. Remember who you are tonight. Remember the authority that you have in this place tonight. I just know as you make a move and as you stand and as you engage that He's just going to fill your cup overflowing. That's what He does. He's a resource that doesn't run dry. He does not run dry. He sees you. The issues of your heart and life are not too great for Him. Nothing is too great for the power and the person of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to ask these guys just to sing over you here tonight. And I encourage you just to come because you can. Just to come and stand and find peace and find rest in this place tonight. In Jesus' mighty name.
Your affections are for 